Welcome to What the Hex, your source for Warhammer Underworlds in under 30 silent relics. Today, I'm your host, Phil, and with me as always, we've got Davey. How you doing, Davey? Doing great. How are you? Hey, I'm doing pretty good. And uh, with us today as well, we've got a special guest. We've got Zach, uh, goes by Requisin on the uh, Vassal Discord, if you're uh, familiar with those parts, and uh, also runs the uh it's cozy serpent gaming youtube channel i believe yeah it's a new youtube channel only a couple videos out but uh dipping my toes into the world of content creation so it's been exciting awesome well uh we can jump back to that a little bit i guess if you want to talk more about it but before we get to our com- our regular community shout outs just to let you know the topic for today uh if you couldn't have guessed from are under 30 <laughs> we're talking the silent menace card pack uh, sort of a new thing that games workshop is trying here um this is being billed as a deck in a box something that you can play right out of the box uh so as we run through the cards we can keep that in mind um and a special shout out to games workshop um just they get us uh, some early review copies and we just want to say thanks uh that's always greatly appreciated um uh having having the stuff in hand to look at ahead of time to do this type of review is always very nice all right so community shout outs uh so as we mentioned got the cozy serpent gaming talk about that a little bit uh but before we circle back there davy do you have any community shout outs that you would like to call out I think I think we're going to do it right here. Uh, you know, there's a couple of, of new content things we talked to, or I should say, I talked to uh, Benji from uh, yeah. Tabletop Sydney. Um, that actually is released released uh, mere minutes before we sat down to record this. <laughs> so, um, but uh, uh, this. Uh, we just wanted to, to talk to Zach a little bit about his channel. I, I hope he does more with it. Um, but, uh, I really, I, I watched the, uh, underworld's bat rep you have on there really liked it. Um, if I were to summarize, it looks like, uh, you know, it's a, it's a battle report in just 15 minutes. I think it takes even less than that. And you kind of recreate a game that you already played, uh, video it out, talk through the moves, um, show the cards. There's a ton of information in a very small time. A uh, short amount of time, uh, and I found it really engaging um, uh, because you, you talked about some of the, the thought process uh, and uh, how you got there. So, uh, since we got you here, uh, you want to talk a little bit about how you came to trying that format out and what your what your goals are with it? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, the the desire I think everyone has is to record games they're playing in person, but um, COVID, so not really much <laughs> of that going on right now. Um, yeah, but I, you know, I. Thanks to Vassal's logging system, um, I've had a couple really good games that I have uh, recorded the logs of and uh, wanted to try to recreate just to do some analysis. Uh, I feel like there's a lot of videos out there, great videos. Um, Like you said, Benji from uh, Tabletop Sydney has done a lot that are like, you know, real time. You you get the banter between the players. You get to like hear their thought thought process in real time but there's not as many out there that are like from one person's perspective seeing their hand you know going through their thought process as to why they've made the decisions they do make um so i kind of wanted to try that uh and hopefully people liked it i want to do more like that uh 
I have a lot of respect for people who put out YouTube videos every day because it took me like a week to edit that one down uh, <laughs> yeah. and put all this stuff in. So uh, I'm, I'm kind of learning that as I go along. Yeah, uh, that's that was one of the thoughts I had when I was looking. I'm like, this is great. I'm getting through this like really quick and getting a lot out of it in a, in a short amount of time. This seems like it's probably a ton of work, uh, you know, to, to recreate it all and edit it all together. And I, I you know, don't do any video stuff, so I was just a gut instinct on it. But uh, I hope you yeah. find it to be a, a sustainable thing, even even a once in a while thing. It's uh, it's fun, and I like the idea of you know highlighting a particularly good game or whatever. So, um, oh yeah, noteworthy game, I suppose. Hopefully, have more of those as uh, time goes on, new releases and stuff. Sure. We'll keep yeah. our eye out when we, we see him, we'll pop it here. So, and, uh, I mean, it's nice. I think it's probably the only short form bat rep that I've seen for this game. Um, and so sometimes they're like, there's just not enough time to sit down and watch an hour long video of a real time game. Mm -hmm. Um, but being able to get just the highlights, uh, and see all the moves, but have it all compressed down. I, I really like that. So, uh, looking forward to seeing more of it. Glad to hear it. Thanks, guys. Sure. All right. So now we have our other recurring segment called What the Hex is Going On With You? And since you are our guest, we'll start with you, Zach. What the Hex is Going On With You in the Hobby? Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I just finished up my Crimson Court. Um, that is uh, 26 warbands down for me. I went into lockdown with uh, Holy Moses. <laughs> I, I went into lockdown with six teams painted and uh, I've just been trying to burn through them as much as possible um, and get caught up. But uh, yeah, next on the storm or next on the table is a storm of Celestis for me. Uh, I collect in, you know, a whole uh, stormcast army for AOS. So I got my that color scheme down pretty pat. So that should go relatively quickly and then uh on to whatever's next what uh, uh what storm host are you in uh age of sigmar oh i'm uh anvils of the Helden hammer oh, uh, nice. black and mm -hmm. gold yeah yeah it's yeah. good look uh and then as far as decks go i've been messing around with some crimson court control decks uh i'm not sure how fun it'll be to play against seeing as you just kind of like <laughs> stand around and get hunger tokens and score for having <laughs> hunger tokens and then get more hunger tokens but uh it does seem pretty consistent, so I want to try that out sometime. That's cool. I, if there was ever a time where it can, you know, uh, there's there's so many speed boosts and stuff that uh, uh, at least at least it it likely is not uh, gonna have gonna feel quite like the um, uh, the the relic stormcast that would be at the back <laughs> and like just never engage. You know, it, it's hard it's hard yeah. to never engage in in this current meta right now. Uh, you you don't miss. Stormcast sitting on the back of the table and playing great concussion to push everybody. Oh, apart great from concussion. Each other. So brutal. Yeah. <laughs> Ripped yeah, to that yeah. card. Good old yeah. days. <laughs> uh, awesome. Uh, I have been uh, recording and editing podcasts a bunch, uh, but I did finally finish my chosen axes. Um, nice. So ready for them to just take the, take the table by storm. Uh, <laughs> and then I've been in a league uh, and I've been, I've been trying a bunch of different stuff out. I've been, uh, trying different decks. Uh, we talked about it last time where I, I, uh, tried Tommy's deck, uh, and realized that I need a lot more reps to, um, be able to <laughs> come anywhere near the, the skill cap of that one. Uh, but enjoyed it. And it was almost, uh, 
you know, I'm not, I'm not, uh, my, my opponents played well. I'm not, I'm not, uh, taking anything from them. Uh, it, but it was fun to kind of like, I don't know, almost give, give yourself permission to like, uh, lose games, you know, like risk, <laughs> put, put more at risk, you know, instead of being like, okay, I'm only going to take top tier stuff or only stuff that I'm really comfortable with. Like, let's go into this environment where, where people will be, you know, pushing it a little bit harder than, than they would in just a pure pickup game. And, uh, and it was fun to, I don't know. I just, it felt real comfortable to do that. I, um, so it was, uh, felt like I got a lot out of them. Um, and hopefully I'll have a chance to, uh, share some of that down the line, um, with some of the stuff we're working on. So, um, Sweet. yeah. Speaking of building decks, what if someone was already pre-building one for you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that might be super handy. Uh, but before we jump into there, I, I guess I, I will say what I've been working oh, on. Oh, yeah. Um, and it it's pretty much the same as what I've always been working on for the last <laughs> few episodes. And it's still working on the Starblood Stalkers. Um, so they're all yeah. base-coded. I'm almost completely done with Clacktrock at this point. Um, I, I was hoping to finish him before we recorded today, but no such luck. Um, but yeah, having a lot of fun with that. Almost done with them. Plan to get those p- pictures posted somewhere for uh, podcast viewer consumption at some point. Uh, I guess that'd be listener, not viewer in this case. Uh, <laughs> um, but then also going to be doing another hobby project coming up here soon. Um, be something to keep an eye out for for the just uh, story phase from the Mortal Realms. Um, and nice. then uh, also been working on a deck for uh, the Mad Mob just because mm-hmm. they're new kids on the block and I really am intrigued by their ability to mess around with primacy. So I tried to build a deck that focused entirely on getting and giving and messing around with the primacy token. So looking forward to trying that. Well, uh, I don't want to call you out here, but uh, I my jealousy dictates that I must point out that you did get to play in person, uh, this past week. I I did. I did get to do that as well. Uh, that was a big deal. Um, first game in person since lockdown started. So over a year, uh, (laughs) and, uh, it felt really good, even though, um, rolled into a situation where my opponent had not prepared a deck ahead of time and just played straight out of the box. Oh, (laughs) it, uh, it was not a, like well-balanced game but it was still fun but yeah so this speaking of decks as you mentioned this deck in a box mm-hmm. um so we'll we'll run down as we usually do we'll run down the objectives gambits and upgrades but then i think because this is sort of sold with this idea of being like hey this is a deck you can just play it as built and supposedly that's going to work um so I think we can sort of judge at the end, does that actually hold up? And like, how good of a deck would it be? Does it actually make sense? What? How would you maybe try to use that? Um, so yeah, some objectives. And again, I've been running stats on all of these because I just find it interesting. Um, so especially this time, because it's not just like, here's an assortment of cards you can use. This is supposedly going to be a deck that you would play. So there's only five surges, which you'd think if it was going to be a standard competitive deck, you'd go six just because you are allowed six. 
And then it does have six regular end phase and one third end phase. Um, of those, there's one two glory end phase card and one two glory surge. Uh, and then there are two new dual and hybrid objectives. So you do get a, a good mix of stuff. Um, but yeah, let's let's talk about those cards. I guess, um, where would you like to start, Davey? I mean, we can go with the the one that's got my boys on there, the Reavers. Uh, there's Advancing <laughs> Swarm. It's an end phase. Uh, choose this, uh, score this in an end phase if the three or more friendly fighters uh, have one or more charge tokens. Uh, so this, uh, it's interesting they got Reavers for this because they have a surge, which is uh, when your third person is charged. This is actually uh because it's because it's an end phase and because you have to have your fighters alive it's actually harder for them to score it's it's not all that great for them uh because often uh one of your at least one of the people who have charged have have died uh targor or or uh you know whoever you've you've sent in um so it's and for those guys you kind of want one of them to die anyway for your inspiration condition so yeah uh but uh, this doesn't specify that they have to have made the charge. It just have to have a charge token. So if you're doing bag of tricks kind of things, like you can work, uh, work it that way. Um, so this is, uh, this feels like something that's maybe more along the lines of, um, uh, the wild hunt is, uh, cool with that. Uh, maybe even like, uh, Thundrix who can, uh, get those charges because of their range and, and such. So, um, not, uh not blowing me away but it, it's there and i think there's a few um decks that that may look at it um but it's that sort of one one glory end phase so not not lighting the world on fire but you may find yourself uh looking at it for when you're filling that fifth or sixth uh to me it really spot. feels more like a tough aggro card like crimson core to magor somebody with four wounds because then yeah you can do four charges and you're not going to lose two Mm-hmm. probably yeah so yeah. it's better for that than it is for someone like you know un- unlike the artwork sadly not really great for <laughs> yeah 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 um what do you got zach you got one you want to uh i want to talk about demolish the opposition mm-hmm. uh, sure. so this is a new third end phase card um this is hybrid uh so third end phase score this if there are no enemy fighters in enemy territory or there's no more than one surviving enemy fighter. Uh, I think this is a bad card, yeah. but I think it's a really interesting card. Because um, yeah. this is like almost an anti-aggro card. Like a lot of aggro decks are just, they're running across the board, right? Mm-hmm. ABCs, they're charging across, they're getting in your territory. Um, this is, and they're, you know, occasionally they're rolling conquest to get that two glory at the end. I mean, not as much anymore, but in the past they have been. Um, and they sometimes put it back in when rotation, there's less cards and stuff. So this is kind of like an anti-conquest where it's like, oh, you know, you've gotten in here, you've done your attacks, you've kind of come to me uh, and gotten your glory, and now I'm going to get this big spike third, uh, mm-hmm. your three glory card. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's consistent enough because you want those third end phase cards to be like, yeah, I'm going to score this every single game when it's, you know, when I don't draw it in my opening hand. Um, 
but like the idea is very cool and I like the design on it, if nothing else. Uh, yeah. So I think that's a really interesting one. I think it's uh, specifically obnoxious to uh, Rippas in a lot of ways who often are doing bold deeds or, uh, or cruel hunters sort of thing. So they're, they're mm-hmm. trying to get, or, or maybe they have uh, uh, the surge for uh hunter killing somebody in enemy territory. I'm blanking on it right now, but uh, no, uh, brought to bay or brought even to bay is the one. Yeah. Yeah, or even just um, show of force getting that off the three in enemy territory. Yeah, uh, but again, you know that's that's one more band, and like you said, not consistent. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah. I almost so. wonder, especially with the card art, if they intended for this to be sort of like it's a somewhat easier like annihilation, but mm. then they like accidentally wrote a card that's actually defensive, not offensive. <laughs> Um, yeah, because because it is a hybrid, right? And there's that second half to it. But yeah. it's I don't know how often you're going to be tabling your opponent or leaving them with one left. Like that's super matchup dependent. Mm. Yeah. And if you go into the wrong warband, you're just never going to score it. Yeah, for sure. Well, that was one of the hybrids. Uh, you want to hit the other hybrid there, Phil? Yeah. So this other one is Martial Adept. Um this is a hybrid in the end phase for one glory. If you have one or more friendly fighters that has two or more attack action upgrades or one or more friendly fighters that has three or more upgrades. So this is actually similar to a lot of the other things that we've seen so far this season. That's rewarding you for putting all your upgrades onto one fighter or a lot of upgrades on one fighter. Um, in fact, I think this is almost identical to bristling with weapons. Uh, yeah. So bristling has the caveat that, uh, you need to have, I think it has to be a hunter with them. So this is, this is uh, yeah. a little, little more flexible. Right. Uh, I, I think this has got play in, in certain decks like that. It's, it's not big, but it's a, it's a thing that will just happen for you at times. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it has a nice side benefit is if you happen to be one of those people running a combo deck, mm-hmm. um, then, then I, I think uh, there's slowly. I think there's some interesting play with like combo Skaven where you just keep bringing back that one rat with combo. I mean, yeah. I know we saw it a little bit at near the end of Beast Crave, but uh, you know they keep printing cards that works for it, so maybe it comes back. Maybe we see yeah. it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe eventually we'll have enough stuff to make combo worth it, and then <laughs> and then we'll get rotation. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I would say that this is this is solid. I mean, if you're running. Um, you know, anything that you want to be stacking upgrades, then yeah, why not? Might as well. Um, where do you want to go next, Davey? We just finished the hybrids. Do you want to go to the duels? Sure. Well, actually, let's. there's kind of a, a, a little family of cards here. One of, one of them is a duel, but there's a Forbidding Strike, Killing Strike, and Stinging Strike. Ooh, um, okay. And yep. so uh, they're, they're using the strike to signal that... Uh, it's something that has to happen in your first activation. Um, so not the first activation. If you go second in a round, you can still do these things, um, which you may want to do with these because then you'll have a chance to score them with the help of, uh, with the help of some power cards, um, laid down as opposed to doing it just totally with what you got on the board there. But, uh, forbidding strike is the dual, it's uh, immediately after an activation in which a friendly fighter's attack action took an enemy fighter out of action if it was the first activation in this round and they were on an objective. So that's two. 
uh, but there's a very tight window and the very specific situation where they have to be on an objective. Uh, killing strike is uh, similar, only they there's not the positioning requirement, so have to take somebody uh, out with an attack action and it has to be your first activation. And then stinging strike is uh, you uh, you just have to be uh, uh, successful with a range three plus attack action with your first activation. So all three, uh, I think they're the the big question you can ask yourself is is like is having this limited window going to kill it for you? Because if you draw into it later in the round, uh, it's no good. Uh, you're only going to have three points in the entire game where you could ever score this. Um, mm. I, I think it's maybe the, the lot of them are just maybe too restrictive. Um, there, there's too many ways they can gum up the works. I don't know. Do you guys have a different take? I mean, I agree. Like, like you said, only having three windows, like if you surge into it, it's bad. Um, stinging strike, you know, I, I play a lot of profiteers. Um, mm-hmm. so I saw this and I'm like, Ooh, yeah, you know, just a successful attack action. Totally cool. I can score this alongside, bold conquest or you know hidden purpose or any other thing uh, that i'm trying to move and shoot and do stuff um but yeah like you said you draw into it and it's dead and if you draw into it in the third and like if it's at the bottom of your deck in the third round uh, Mm -hmm. you literally can't do anything with it um so it i like the idea here again especially like forbidding strike because two glory on a surge is very cool Mm -hmm. And it's like a very specific window. So it's not like temporary victory where it's too easy of a two glory surge. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, it probably just doesn't see play. Based yeah. I on mean, that window situationally, it feels nuts, right? Because uh, you could get a two glory surge for killing, I don't know, like a random ghoul who went to stand on an objective, you know, like, yeah. or even if you go second, you like distraction onto an objective and then charge them or something. Sure. Yeah. Yep. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, I think, just not smooth enough. I think it's it's going to go with the works too many times. Um, there's one of your duels, though, Phil. You want to hit the other? Yeah. So so then this is the other two glory uh, card that we've got here, and this is the end phase one. And this one's a doozy. You've you've got to have four more surviving friendly fighters that have one or more charge tokens, and no friendly fighters taken out of action in this round. Yeah. Oh my. <laughs> <laughs> well, and so I was, as I was brainstorming, you know, you, you think about a card and you step away from, uh, from the screen or whatever, and you're thinking about it and then you lose some of the details of it. I was like, Oh, like maybe it works, uh, with a uh, warband where you can resurrect, but that was wrong for a couple of reasons. Cause you're going to resurrect without your charge token. Um, and this mm-hmm. says, this is, uh, was not taken yeah. out of action, not is not out of action. So yeah. Uh, they picture Skaven on that card. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that seems that's not, the, <laughs> not the war band that's going to do it, but man, I don't know which, uh, this, this might be your, uh, your bulky aggro that you were talking about, Zach. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it does tie in a little bit with advancing swarm, right? Cause it's an end phase for having X number of charge tokens. I don't know if you would run both. Um, the idea is interesting. And like you said before, uh, Profiteers in particular can charge and shoot, stay out of harm's way. Profiteers in particular are pretty tanky. You've got five wound, four wound, four wound. So it's not like you're going to die very easily, but man, it's a hard condition for two glory. Right, exactly. And Uh, and 
I was like looking through the power cards that can give you charge tokens. Like, you know, you mentioned bag of tricks. Very cool. There's like a, um, go to ground is the one where you can teleport back into your territory mm-hmm. uh, and give them a charge token. But like, you know, none of these are solid enough where it's like, I would play them if I wasn't running these cards. So is it worth including them to score a two glory end phase? Right. Yeah. Probably not. Right. Yeah. And so I think maybe it's worth mentioning here, but like, so we've already seen two cards in this set where there's a very hard requirement for the number of fighters that you're going to be using. Um, And so if you were to try and run all these cards as a deck, you definitely wouldn't want to use them with any of the elite warbands with only three fighters, because Mm -hmm, then this is entirely unscorable from first activation. Mm -hmm. Even a relatively squishy four, like purifiers or uh, yeah, a dread pageant even because you're going to lose Hadzu. Yeah, Hadzu is really going to drag you down. (laughs) (laughs) That's unfortunate. Yeah. So yeah. so that was Untouchable Swarm. Uh, so that, that runs us through all the hybrids and all the duels. Um, where where would you like to go next, Zach? Good question. Uh, I'd like to talk about Promise of Destruction because mm. I think this is like, when, when I was going through and giving these my personal ratings, I actually rated this like really highly. Um, and it's kind of niche, right? Because So this is end phase, score this in an end phase if there are one or more persisting gambits. Mm-hmm. Um, and at first glance, you're like, oh, that's pretty, pretty niche. It's not great. But, you know, Outrun Death is in a lot of decks. And it's going to yeah. be in more decks once uh, Spectral Wings rotates out, which is kind of yeah. like the, the better version. But that's going to go away. Um, you know, certain warbands have a lot of persisting effects. Uh, the asterisms for... Starblood uh, Stalkers. Starblood Stalkers. Thank you. I was thinking Seraphon couldn't get it out. Um <laughs> Yeah, the asterisms are persisting effects. The cycles are persisting effects. There's like a reasonable number of them out there. Um, or even a couple spells are playing Magic Heavy's Curse Breakers. I don't know if that's viable anymore, but, you know, it's there. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And if you, like, 90% of the time, this is kind of like, eh, it's a mediocre card. But if you are running a deck where you've got Outrun Death, death where you've got these gambits, where you've got a couple other things... You know, this might just be a free score. You might just score this every single time it's in your hand, uh, which is kind of tempting. Um, And, you know, as we go into season five and see what they print, or at least, you know, get these last two warbands out of Dire Chasm, I think we'll see more persisting effects because they seem to be liking that direction. Yeah. And I think this is going to be more and more consistent as time goes on. Yeah. I I, uh, echo a lot of what you're thinking there. The... I did not go through and look at all the existing persisting stuff. I kind of went through some of the stuff off the top of my head, but it feels like it feels like this is a card that's going to go into some of these, uh, uh, maybe a control build or something where you want the really reliable glory for low risk. Uh, and this you can get for drawing and then playing cards. Um, mm-hmm. You can guarantee your, your glory without having to put yourself in harm's way, even in a lot of cases. Uh, and some of those persisting some of those persisting gambits uh, also play into the control style where you're uh, locking someone down or reducing their offensive output or, or something like that. Yeah. Plus one defense, minus one attack dice. And yeah. there's, there's a lot of great cards out there for specific war bands. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, let's see. There's uh, 
the one I it's very very different here, uh, but orchestrated kill. So this is a surge score immediately after a friendly fighter's attack action. That takes enemy fighter out action if the fighter had one or more supporting fighters. Um, there's I think there's uh, that and then uh, above it uh, impending doom score this immediately after an activation mm-hmm. if one or more enemy fighters are adjacent to two or more friendly fighters. Those look like they're paired up pretty well, and, and they may be. Uh, but I, th- I think you'll frequently see decks take one and not the other, depending on what kind they are. But um, these specifically uh, bring up a theme that we'll see throughout the deck uh, with the idea of supporting fighters, this sort of swarm idea, uh, the, uh, the silent people being some sort of insectoid race um, hmm. that has been interrupted in their uh, cocoons. So they're uh, partially formed or, or some such. But... Um, uh, orchestrated kill uh, with uh, with some of these decks. I, I, I've played combat against combat goblins that would score this on me multiple times. Um, so from the receiving end of things, like this feels very doable. I think sometimes a card like this that feels like someone would score it on you a lot when you actually have it in your own hand, it, it looks a little harder. Um, and then the impending doom, that feels... Um, you know, the, they've got ghosts on there. They, they do have the Banshees on there, but that feels like the, there was those uh, mm-hmm. Hug uh, Thorns of the Briar Queen. Yeah. Um, that that feels doable. That's that's a surge surge without uh, rolling dice, which is always something that should make you sit up and pay attention. Yeah, it's also worth noting that Thorns had this card, uh, except it was three friendly fighters adjacent to one or more enemy fighters. Um, and they played it because Varklav Bush, very good. Uh, yeah. And you're playing like center of attention and stuff as well. Um, speaking of ghosts, you can also score this pretty reliably with uh, Wraith Creepers, just getting that drum. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That drum's so powerful. Yeah, and uh, they they like that orchestrated kill too. So maybe they maybe they like both of them. Um, True. Because they, yeah. they have uh, another, uh, they have one that's a surge just for making an attack that as a supporting fighter um, mm-hmm. and uh, set it uh, up right. Worth noting, I mean, we're not going to, we're talk about it in a bit, but there is a uh, ploy that plays well, very well into orchestrated kill, where you get uh, some free supports. So uh, I think they they did design that in mind a little bit, which is kind of nice. They have that little bit of uh, synergy within the deck, um, but we'll yeah. talk about that when we get to the ploys. Sure. Yeah, and I think that's just worth mentioning in general, and that it it says you know make a successful attack action while you have one or more supporting fighters, but you could have that off of upgrades that make you count as having, or if you've played a ploy that makes you count as having a supporting fighter. So if you have that kind of stuff like Ripa's, um, mm-hmm. that can also make this a nice easy one. Just go make an attack and with your boosted accuracy, hopefully you're going to hit. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's Ripa's. So the wolf bite will hit. You'll be all right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wolf bite crits every single time. <laughs> Invariably. Yeah. Uh, we're just down to two, right? We got uh, uh, yep, brutal attrition yeah. and cold blooded cold blooded killers. Correct. Yeah. So I guess we've seen a lot of faction cards that are very similar to brutal attrition. Um, so it's an end phase where you score it if the number of enemy fighters out of action is equal to or greater than the number of surviving friendly fighters. Um, and I guess the the faction card we keep seeing printed over and over again is that there's 
like more enemy fighters out of action than enemy fighters alive but that's sort of the same idea right where it's like you're trying to have more of one you know more of certain fighters out of action than in action um which i guess if you're going for like a really bloody aggro style of play this isn't terrible um Fun- Funnily enough, I think this has like counter synergy with advancing swarm and untouchable swarm. <laughs> right. As you as you said, those are terrible on elite warbands, but this is actually better on elite warbands because if you got three dudes and you're against a five wound warband, you just go kill, you know, two three dudes, maybe one lose one in the process. You know, you're already well on your way to this. Yeah. <laughs> but then you can't sw- you can't score untouchable swarm at all. So it's kind of yeah. like, eh, where's the trade off there? Yeah. yeah. I look at this and I just think Reavers, but like we talked about, Reavers don't necessarily work with some of this other stuff, but true. <laughs> yeah. Glory for having my guys dead. I'm embarrassed to say I had to read this a couple times to like, actually, and then uh, like, I didn't actually write it down, but I had to think about it. Like, wait, wait, hold on. What, what is, <laughs> what is the end state here that I'm looking for? Um, well, I, I think that's be- like you said, um, this is, very similar, but not the same as a lot of faction cards that are about enemy fighters only or like enemy dead versus you're alive or something like that. And mm-hmm. so it's like we have a lot of different cards with very similar wording, but slightly different. And I'm betting it's going to confuse some people when they go to build. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, I think you score that. I mean, you mentioned Reavers. I think you score this a lot in Reavers just because you you kill a lot and lose a lot. So yeah. uh, uh, I'm very often down to just one or two by the end of the second round or uh, certainly in the third round and hopefully hopefully on the way you've done some killing uh, if if you haven't then you're probably losing this one and losing the game anyway but uh <laughs> yeah i uh yeah maybe um so we just one left and this is cold-blooded killers uh score one glory in the end phase of two or more enemy fighters are out of action um one glory is not a lot and there's certain war bands where taking two out is a real tall order and others were not so much this directly well more or less directly competes with things like bold deeds and clean kills uh which have a better payoff for slightly more restrictions but i think you can play towards those i don't know what you guys think i would definitely agree i mean two kills in some matchups is most of the enemy warband dead um and a one glory payout isn't huge so think more often than not this card is going to be passed for other options yeah there's metas where this is good i mean if we if you, this card was out at the beginning of beast grave where everyone yeah. it was like grimwatch and thorns <laughs> and everyone's playing temporary victory i mean you score this every <laughs> single game but sure. uh, but now like okay maybe you kill two of molog's mooks and score this but are you really going to do that yeah 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 and we, we you know of course we talk about these cards uh, as if it's the you know global monolithic meta but you're right you know you're local you may be one person gets or something yeah exactly and it may be all goblins and ghosts and ghouls as far as the eye can see in which case have at it (laughs) yeah and i guess to to think like how does this work in this set of cards it kind of has synergy in that a lot of these other cards are pushing you towards getting kills Mm. so if through the course of the game you can manage to get two kills you'll get this so sure yeah i mean if your opening hand is advancing swarm cold-blooded killers and untouchable swarm you just make four charges yeah yeah man yeah <laughs> you can do it that's yeah, great dice and uh hope you got it <laughs> so that's all of the objectives 
Um, I, I guess I generally say like they work, but like we've talked about, there's some, uh, there's some odd choices here. You'd really have to know which warband you want to use this with if you were going to try and run it straight out of the box. Weirdly enough, like even though we've talked about how a lot of these interact with aggro, I think the best ones out of here are like the flex control ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Martial Adept, <laughs> uh, Promise of Destruction, you don't need kills for. Impending Doom and Orchestrated Kill, like we said, like these don't require successful attacks. You just can just need to surround people. You know, you can do that with a flex gets build or like a flex ghost build. So, uh, yeah. Just an interesting little note about the intended design versus probably what's going to see play. Right. For sure. Very much so. All right. So quick stats. Um, There's not a whole lot to say about the gambits before we dive in, but there are two reactions in here. So if you're Mm -hmm. one of the warbands that can score off of reactions, there you go. Um, And as they stated when they released this, there are no spells. The intent is that any warband can run all of these cards and never have anything that is unusable. Zach, where would you like to start for the gambits? Oh, I want to start right at the beginning. Uh, Acidic Strike. Uh, so yeah. this is Reaction. Play after a successful attack action. Uh, pick one of the target's upgrades and discard it. Uh, I think this is broken, potentially. <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't, I, I don't like to be hyperbolic, especially when new stuff comes out, but like We've seen discard enemy upgrades in the past. Uh, notably, Banshees have two, I think. They have, they have at least one upgrade that doesn't. I think they have a... Um, oh, no, they have a power card that forces your opponent to discard a power card to resolve mm-hmm. one of theirs. Um, yep. So we've seen like enemy discard, enemy destroy in the past a little bit, but it's always come at a price. Um, there was... Uh, I think there was one in uh, Arena Mortis where you had to discard one of yours to make your opponent destroy one of their upgrades something like that um yeah there's a, see a lot of play there's a shattering howl when you lose somebody you can react to to bust an upgrade off them um, yeah so we, but they're always we, like that right where it's yeah. like you need to die you need to kill somebody you need to you know perform this sort of thing but this is just successful attack action no range restriction no supporting fighter restriction or positional re- restriction it is just yeah you can have your range three three sword one damage dude shoot a plink and take off a great fortitude like that's really powerful and especially with something like great fortitude people are stacking all these defensive upgrades where your three damage attack effectively becomes a four damage attack because you took off a plus one wound yeah um i mean there's some there's some corner case situations where you know if they've got great fortitude and uh, deserve confidence in something else. You know, you plank the great fortitude and then deserve confidence drops down to two. All of a sudden it was an effective two. I know that's corner, but yeah, but th- those sort of things will happen, especially sure. with how things are stacking or like your opponent is going for avatar, the Urgrub, grub and you kill sting of the Urgrub. grub. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are you going to do now? You know, it's, um, it, I think this is like an insanely powerful card, especially in this Voltron meta we're living in, uh, yeah. you know, in the future, maybe not so much if you're in an, uh, hold objective matchup maybe you kill cryptic companion with it maybe or like a quarry upgrade so they can't score um uh, absolute stillness mm-hmm. maybe but um in the current meta i think it's like you'll see this in a lot of decks and it will surprise people i think yeah yeah i think it's really good as well um 
but I'm really happy that it exists. And I think it's really oh, a good sure. thing um, just because control, I think, has always been at the, f- the sort of periphery of the game. And we've always talked about control as like a thing, but nobody's ever or there's never really been enough tools for control to be a true play style like it is in something like magic. Mm-hmm. Um, control tends to end up something like passive play mm-hmm. and the kind of interactive, defensive, disruptive control hasn't really seen a whole lot of interest. Right. And I think that's because the design hasn't been there. Yeah, well, and you think about a card like this. So usually when you're building your power deck, your your gambits and your upgrades, you're saying, I'm taking this one because it's helping me score this objective or it's helping me mm-hmm. do this thing. Acidic Strike on its face, like there's there's nothing you, there's not an objective for like Surge if you remove somebody's upgrade or, you know, score this in the end phase if there's at least one fighter that doesn't have any upgrades on the, you know, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. This is This is purely disruptive. It doesn't, so you don't look at it and say, ah, yeah, this unlocks this thing that I want to do with my, uh, fighters yeah but notably it does stop your opponent from scoring things like exactly. it can stop show right. of force it can stop you know the one we just talked about uh martial adept you know there's yeah. there's a lot of situations where this is going to or like i said avatar um or lost page i'm like imagine killing the lost tome and they have three other pages on there they just, <laughs> they just feel awful yeah yeah Right, yeah, this, because you get to pick as well. Um, yes, rather than it being random, That's huge narrowing passages out there as well. But that uh, uh, has uh, some limitations as far as needing to be on a quarry or your opponent picks, and then it's a, a random upgrade. Yeah, uh, so you can be targeted with it. Yeah, yeah. So very, very good. Uh, I, I hope that we continue to see more control type things not exactly this i don't think we need more than two power cards that can kill upgrades hmm. um uh yeah where where should we go next davy uh let's hit your other reaction here um yeah. that would be the very next one it's a hidden sting uh mm-hmm. play this after friendly fighters successful range one attack action if there are one or more crits in the attack roll deal one damage to the target maybe if you have uh, a high dice range one warband, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's pretty restrictive. Uh, so, and yeah. then you, you could just hold it if you don't see the crit. Um, but uh, and there's, uh, I'm gonna blank on. I think there's there's uh, this card exists in some of the other warbands as well. I think Cagras uh, have something like this, um, but it's not restricted to range one, and even that feels a little a little borderline. I think those are usually upgrades or mm. um, like a a ploy you play first and be like, if there's a crit, it does extra stuff. This is a reaction. I, I think being a reaction makes it kind of nice because it's it's kind of twist the knife, right? Or pit trap yeah. or trap. Um, but you need a crit and it has to be range one. So it's more restrictive. So uh, I had it played against me by a Crimson Court player. Um, and, you know, they're they're running a lot of two of their fighters are three or three hammer and three sword. They've got plus one dice effects, so it's like, yeah, it, it's probably fine. But you're right. I mean, if you're just chucking two hammers every time, it's not extremely reliable. Sure. Yeah. This is, I think this definitely feels like something where they said we like the 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 space the twist the knife occupied, but it was too good. Mm. So let's start to tinker with it and try and find a way that we can reintroduce that card without actually reprinting that card. Um, and so I think we're going to see stuff like this. And then if this isn't good enough, 
then there'll probably be something else and it'll sort of be like keep edging our way back to where they want it to be mm-hmm. um, I don't know but that, that's how it feels to me anyway uh, alright so we did, did all the reactions I guess we'll go here um, because we we're talking about some of the other stuff that uh, works with um, the supporting fighters uh, I think so there's two here that I am remembering that relate to having supporting fighters and uh, I think the one that you alluded to earlier, Zach, is Swarming Strike. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is a ploy where the first friendly fighter to make an attack action in the next activation is considered to have one additional supporting fighter. Um, situationally, this could be really huge. And like we mentioned earlier, this allows you to score things like Orchestrated Kill without actually having a supporting fighter. Mm. Um, I think this is... Uh, I guess the only... The only like downside to playing something like this, if you're not trying to score off of having supporting fighters, is that I think adding a support is almost the same accuracy boost as uh, adding one dice. And there's plenty of ploys that also just add one dice. So um, yeah, especially with determined effort in the essentials pack. Um, yep. I think plus one dice is statistically slightly better, but there's fewer cards that score off of it like you said i mean there's the the two in this or there's the one in this one and i'm sure there's faction specific cards i'm not thinking of right now yeah it's a it's situational so if you're three fury into one dodge uh the the support is better than adding one more dice because you're already Mm -hmm. uh so high there but uh yeah you're you're right there's uh here's here's a question for you because this is to me is worded a little bit awkwardly your your instinct on a card like this is that it's going to work for the first attack action, but it says the first friendly fighter to make an attack action in the next activation is considered to have uh, one additional supporting fighter. It doesn't say for how long, so I assume it's just for that attack, but I wonder if you were making a scything attack. Uh, you know oh, what I mean? think this works on scything. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it's only for the next act, but yeah, so you, you, so that is, that's kind of cool. If you, if you're trying to leverage some scything attacks, if you have mighty swing in there, then this gets uh especially yeah. since there you're, you're going to be working against uh, opposing supports. Oftentimes, you know, when you're doing scything, you really, if you have that first attack thing, like determined effort or something, mm-hmm. you really only care about the one attack. So you use that one first and then you kind of scything in and don't care about those attacks or, you know, so- something like that. So th- this is probably better for scything, but mm-hmm. the question is, does it really warrant a slot over something like that just for that specific purpose yeah definitely this other one that was uh talking about support strength of the swarm um Mm. which gets a special shout out for having the always always great uh uh (laughs) ghoul quotes on there um but uh (laughs) plus one dice the next attack action made by a friendly fighter that has one or more supporting fighters in addition plus one damage if you have uh two or more supporting fighters uh and then this does persist uh until after the next uh, attack action made by a friendly fighter um so this does you know there's a couple that we've seen like this that have an effect that are waiting on you to make the next but it doesn't necessarily it's not restricted in the next activation so somebody tries to ice you out um you know, in the, in the old days, it would be something like invisible walls. Say, just kidding. You're not going to attack this next time or, uh, mm-hmm. here maybe, you know, they, 
throw down one of the faction specific things like uh, insensate. Um, I'm only going to take one damage, and you can you can sit on this for a second, um, which is uh, corner nice, case, yeah. but uh, but it's something. This is pretty restrictive. It's going to be tough to get the double. Um, not yeah. not too bad to get the single, but even that is more work than just the the one dice. So uh, I think for the setup here, it probably doesn't find its way into most decks uh, unless you really have some way of uh, getting in, innate supports or you're really leaning into that whole setup. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, it does not have a range restriction though, so that's that helps. That's something. Yeah. I do want to. Uh, I'll I'll give some uh, internet karma to the first person who plays this and punching up, and then just rocks up with a damage four soul <laughs> spear uh, get or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, scurry <laughs> some gets in there and uh, just go to town, blowing somebody up with plus two dice, plus two damage. All right. <laughs> Reach for the stars. Um, yeah. We hit those. Uh, what um, I want to throw one at you, Zach. What do you think of uh, specifically, we'll say, uh, swarming advance here? I think that's a that's a pretty juicy one we're talking about. Yeah, I like this card a lot. Again, I, I think they've learned a lot from previous designs. You know, I talked about this a bit with Hidden Sting, where it's like it's like twisted twist the knife, but more balanced and better. Um, this is a it's a little bit like two steps forward. Um, but whereas with two steps forward, the downside was your opponent also got to push, which wasn't much of a downside a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, this has more of a restriction where you have to have somebody in enemy territory. So you can't use it to auto score hidden purpose or temporary victory. Um, you kind of have to use it in a slightly aggressive faction or uh, fashion. Mm-hmm. You've got to chuck somebody up the field and then you can only push towards them. So I feel like this is going to end up being more of a aggro card, mm-hmm. but only for specific war bands, right? You're not going to run this in Molog. You're probably going to run this in Crushes, <laughs> right? You're not going to oh. run this in uh, somebody who's like a move five war band probably doesn't need this, but uh, mm-hmm. Crushes move three. You're going to want this. Um, you know, it shows fire slayers on there. Yeah, maybe you can use it to get onto an objective or just into charge range with your your stunty move too. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it it feels like a nice balanced aggro push that does require some setup to use, and I really really like that. Yeah, I, I agree. I think uh, I think it's got some skill to use, and I think if you can set it up right, it's pretty powerful. And that sounds like a well designed card to me, for sure. Um, I I really like. Also, that you can't really play this in the early parts of the game. Uh, you'd you'd have to, you know, you have to take a risk first. Uh, whereas, like, there's a lot of infaction cards that are pushed multiple fighters, and sometimes mm-hmm. you use those sort of as your setup, and then you go in. Um, so there's like no risk to getting closer to set up the charges. Um, you can use it as setup later on, though. Like one, true. You know, round two, things are kind of like in a brawl. Everyone's one hex away from being pushed or knocked <laughs> back or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, now you've got this big scrum in the middle, and you just play this, get two supporting fighters, and charge in. Like, you yeah. Know, there, there's some yeah. interesting play here, depending on positioning. Like, oh yeah, no, for sure. Um, I, I just, I just like that it like 
it's not going to have those. So if you draw it in your first hand, it's not as strong as it would be later in the game. And I, I like that. Um, yeah, agreed. So that is pretty cool, I guess. Um, I'll another... tell you one that I also like the design of. Um, okay, sure. And it's not about to take everything by storm. I like his design one season from now is Hypnotic Buzz. Uh, mm. Choose mm -hmm. one enemy fighter within two uh, of one or more friendly fighters and push that chosen fighter one hex. So this is a distraction with a range limitation. Uh, it's distraction, but balanced. Yeah, exactly. Exactly <laughs> yeah. what I'm going for. So uh, I am totally fine with this being in there as, as a distraction replacement down the line. Mm -hmm. um, that yeah. seems cool. Yeah, I mean, simple, straightforward. Um, I, I think that... There's not a lot more to say about it. That should still be plenty strong. Uh, a push is always good, whether you're trying to use it for positioning or just to get free attacks, pulling somebody yeah. in next to you. So, uh, Yeah, within two hexes is obviously much better than adjacent. We've seen some warbands have, uh, I think, like, <laughs> yeah. uh, if we go back to Gerzags, I think they have one that's pushing adjacent. Uh, oh, that was but, an action on an upgrade, too. That was awful. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, but uh, there is, uh, it's notable that they chose to make it within two rather than within three, because we talk about this a number of times where you end up with uh, a bunch of objectives within three of each other. And so what this means uh, is, un you know, unless there's been some uh, token movement, which check back in a second here. Um, also you, rotates with Peace Grave. Yeah. Um, uh, then you are not going to be able to put, well, if you're staying on an objective, you're not going to be able to push somebody else off their objective unless they've somehow moved. So, yeah, a lot a lot of the situations where you want to use distraction, like get somebody into a lethal for a kill, get somebody off an objective, get you know somebody onto an objective for a lethal ward or something like that, you're still going to be able to use this for. You just can't like, you're not going to be that Banshee player sitting on the back of the board <laughs> pushing people around when you're nowhere near them. You know, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's a little bit different. Uh, yeah. But talking about moving uh, objectives uh, or feature tokens, um, somebody want to handle Symbiote's call here? Sure. This is where I was going to go next, uh, just because it's another one that's dealing with pushes. Um, so Symbiote's call, you get to, you have to choose a feature token within one hex of one or more friendly fighters, and then you have to choose either to flip that token or push one friendly fighter one hex so that they are in the same hex as that token. Um, so obviously we're going to continue to have some flip tech uh, that that can be helpful for denying objective play if we see objective play come back in a big way. Um, for now, it's still viable for Feed the Beast Grave, but I think there's actually enough flip tech now that you probably don't need to go to this card. Um, but I do like the the push um so Here, a, here's a question though how would you guys compare this to living land because it's a very similar effect you're either flipping or living land is push the token but this is push yeah. a fighter onto the token so it's very similar how do you guys compare the two uh, uh, i think i think this uh has better value as a i am taking it i care about objectives and i'm a little worried someone's going to flip them on me uh because this will help you step onto them uh, or or flip them back because uh, living land. I think once it's flipped, it, it can't flip back. I think it's it's a one way. Uh, yeah, I have to gate. choose an objective, not a feature. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
Living Land's also a lot more restrictive in which token you can flip. Um, the, the only ones that can be flipped are the one that match the round number. Mm-hmm. Um, so if but you, you don't have to be near it, so you can flip something yep. that's way in somebody else's so you, territory. So you've got the range for it. Also, that one lets you move. The, the t- token you can move is also no range restriction, but it has to be in your territory. So there's a lot of interesting play with that card that you can't do with this card but like you said Davey if if you just want to make sure you can push onto a, an objective and are worried that you might need to flip things back I would definitely say this has uh, some some more play in, they're, in they're that very sense, different <laughs> yeah in that sense this is this is a sidestep with a backup uh, yep. or with you know with a, a restricted a restriction in exchange for uh, maybe bailing you out uh, yeah I still think it's a good card. I just don't know if it's always going to make your 10. Sure. Yeah. All right. So we've covered quite a few here. What do we got left? We've got Uh, got four left. left. Yeah, four left. Um, What would you like to talk about next, Zach? Um, I'll go with the the most complex one. I'll pick Maddening Drone. (laughs) Uh, choose one enemy fighter that fighters player picks one so your opponent gets to pick one Uh, give that fighter one move token or that fighter is uninspired and cannot be inspired if they pick the latter this effect persists until the end of a round or until that fighter is taken out of action when this effect ends the chosen fighter is inspired Um, another persist effect for uh, promise of destruction interestingly uh, mm. If they pick it, I mean, that's down to your opponent picking it. Um, sure. But just in terms of this deck, as it works together, uh, the only other two persist effects persist until something happens. A member just swings, which we haven't talked about in Strength of the Swarm. Um, this is the only one that persists till the end of the round. So mm. in that kind of contained, can this work as a deck? You know, it, it depends on what they pick, but it's uh, it's there. Uh, but a- as an actual effect, um, this is clearly designed to kind of counter single fighter leader specific warbands, um, especially ones that get to two shields, right? Mm-hmm. Uninspiring Thundrake not only takes a shield away, it takes him down a wound. Um, mm. Uninspiring, I think two of the Banshees does the same. It doesn't take away the dodge, but it brings him down a wound. Uh, mm-hmm. And any, you know, Voltron fighter that you're stacking upgrades on doesn't want to get a move token because then they're stuck there and you get to plink at them with range two or shoot them or ignore them, um, none of which they really want. So I think there's going to be some matchups where this is really powerful. Um, you know, right now we're looking at the Moloch meta, the Crushes meta, and in both of those, in both of those, I might just take the uninspire effect because... Uh, they don't lose a defense token. They don't lose... I guess Molag loses one damage, but he's stacking great strength and whatever. So yeah. probably not going to hurt him that much. Um, Honestly, you're giving away to Inspire, you know, because a lot of times he's struggling a little bit to people like, yeah. I'm just not going to attack him. And he's like, okay, fine, I'll, I'll take that and I'll, I'll be inspired at the end of the round. Yep. Th- that's yeah. the other thing is that, you know, against, you know, if you get this in round one against a lot of enemies, you can't play it, right? Like, Against warbands that aren't going to, you know, have difficult inspire conditions or, you know, can't inspire till the end of the round anyway, what are you going to do? Play them on round one. They're just going to take the free inspiration off of you. So it's like, uh, it's, 
I like the design of this because it is kind of a anti-Voltron shut down that that big tanky leader or that guy who's got seven upgrades on him. But is it good enough to put in the deck? Uh, it'd take a Cidic Strike instead and just kill the upgrades, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. I think I think this is another just tool in the toolbox for that control style where situationally it could end up being game changing. Um, but yeah, it's it's never like a sure thing. So I don't know if it's going to make the deck either, but it's definitely a great like play space. And the fact that they're starting to do a lot more with trying to add move tokens, uh, see the like litany of nets that we've gotten in Dire Chasm. <laughs> um, Spoiler alert, there's another one here. <laughs> yeah, we'll get there. Uh, but yeah, so so I like that, but um, I think it's, uh, it's interesting. Um, yeah, purely from a background perspective, I do like the quote on this. Yeah, where yeah. Steelheart is lamenting so many deaths, my deaths. Um, and you got to feel for that guy because he's been around since the start of Shades Bar. He's, he's died a lot of times. <laughs> Certainly if my games are anything to go by. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, well, so we've we've hit on all the other um, persisting ploys. So I guess we can talk about the last one here, which is membranous wings. Yeah, thank God. I was worried that we're not going to find a way to get people faster. In this yeah, moment. you know, yeah. Uh, I was really feeling light on plus two move cards. <laughs> For sure. So if you didn't feel like you could go fast enough yet, here you go. Here's your card. Uh, so plus two move to the next friendly fighter to make a charge action. So it is limited. You can't just use it for a move, which is nice. Although a lot of the move scoring cards right now do require a charge anyway. So most of the time, I don't think you care. Um, but this effect does persist until the next friendly fighter's charge. So if for some reason... You weren't ready to charge yet, but you still wanted to play a card. You could. Let, um, let me ask this, uh, and I should probably. There may be something about this. Does this go over an end phase? I know there's something uh, about end phase clears I, things out. I don't. I believe the end phase clears all persisting effects. I thought I it does too, even though it doesn't yeah. say so. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, I think I think at the end phase, you everything gets cleared. Everything. But interestingly, if you want to score uh, Promise of Destruction, you can just play this in the final power step or just play it and not charge and have it persist and sure. be there. So it, it is kind of another tool. Yeah. And, and having that synergy within this sort of pre-constructed deck is nice that they actually do have some of these that play well together. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you may look at this once some stuff rotates out. I mean, there's, there's plenty of stuff in dire chasm but uh we'll see we'll see tracking and spectral wings um slide out of the is yeah. uh is melkin grace dire chasm or is that beast grave i think it's also beast grave it was late beast yeah. grave yeah i think Pretty that sure. was like um uh, or something like that mm. um yeah all, all right. right uh so we got two left we got spirit comb and uh Maybe I think, I think that's it. Comb? I think just it's spirit it. Comb. Yeah. Okay. Bring, you want to talk about this one, Davey? Uh, yeah. So it is choose one friendly fighter. Heal one that fighter or heal two if that fighter has three or more upgrades. Uh, my first take was like, eh, I don't care. But if you are building that Voltron build, 
you are yeah. almost certainly going to have your three and heel twos pretty, pretty juicy. Um, it, yeah, I, I don't know if it has space for it. And I, I, I've, we're recording this after some other people have, uh, released some reviews and I think some other people are hotter on it than I am. So I don't know if I'm missing something here, but I mean, it compares closely to healing potion, right? Because mm. it's heal yep. one or heal two, and sure. that one is like a 50-50. This one is only situationally you heal two. But really, they both pale in comparison to the elephant in the room, which is uh, Ferocious Resistance. Sure. Um, I mean, I guess Ferocious Resistance, you're expecting to heal two. You'd have to have four damage on you before you're really expecting to heal two, uh, presuming that hunger is not involved. Um, true. Although it can, you know, yeah. has spikes in either direction. So that that is... I mean, it's on the higher end. It, it depends on whether you want to roll dice or you want the consistency, but not the spikes, right? Right. Yeah. That's kind of where it falls. I would think that if you're playing Hrothgorn or Molog and you're Voltroning, you probably really like this. Like knowing for sure that in round three or round two that you can have a way to pull two wound tokens off of you is probably a pretty, pretty good feeling. And if they restrict uh, Ferocious Resistance, I mean, that kind of answers the question for us. I think it's <laughs> very, very common yeah. in that situation. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, as with most healing tech, you basically don't play it unless you've got a big fighter. But if you get a big fighter, you really like this. Sure, yeah. Or I guess if you're playing Iltharis Guardians and you want a way to inspire for free. Sure. Yeah, oh, man, poor guardians. <laughs> Rip. <laughs> just, just sad every time I think about them. <laughs> all right. Uh, but that's all of our gambits. On to some upgrades. Uh, so I, th- I mean, maybe not spoiling anything here, but I do feel like we got the best stuff sort of last year. Uh, I feel mm-hmm. like there's a lot of really strong upgrades here, so it should be fun to dig into these. Um, again, quick stats. There are three weapon upgrades. There's two silent relics in here, so now we're up to four silent relics. So all of a sudden, they're just everywhere. Uh, and uh, and we have two things that reward you for stacking upgrades, so Voltroning is still very much uh, <laughs> popular in dire chasm um so sort of being that they are the bells of the ball if you will uh should we start with these silent relics sure sure all right uh so i think i'll start with the one that i think is the stronger of the two and that is the silent ring um so the silent ring is so, so like all the other silent relics, this will make you a quarry. Um, and uh, if you're a quarry, you have the following reaction, which is that after fighter this fighter's activation, if you have three or fewer power cards, and I think that's that's pretty important, three or fewer, not fewer than three, but three or fewer, you can then draw a power card. That's so strong. It is yeah. very strong. Um, I will pose it to... Okay, so then I guess also if you're stacking, you get plus one dice to your range one attack actions. But I don't think anyone's taking this for that. Um, That's just a nice side benefit. I will pose it to both of you. Do you think that Silent Ring now takes the place of Crown of the Dead? Hmm. Well, it's net the same, right? Because you're either drawing 
two, discarding one, or you're drawing one. This has less of... It has, like, both more and less of a restriction, because you don't have to spend glory uh, to do it. You don't have to discard to do it. I think it really depends on what happens with silent relics because a big downside of the mortis relics is that you've got one of them is restricted um none of these are restricted so far we don't know if silent relics are going to get a payoff card like we get with avatar or any of the other stacking ones mortis relics are kind of interesting in that they didn't have a payoff card uh, like a payoff objective or something like that mm -hmm. if we get one for silent like that kind of answers the question for me at least mm. um where it's like, oh, you stack all these and you get these good effects. And in the third end phase, you get three glory for having four or more on you. Um, so it, I think it really depends on what goes in the future. But right now, it's a bit of a toss up. I mean, yeah, I think you got to take that at, uh, as to what your fighter is trying to do. Mm -hmm. um, the armor, on the other hand, uh, as a react... After move action, remove all guard tokens from enemy fighters adjacent to this fighter. Uh, and then its stacking ability is plus one moons if the fighter has two or more silent relics. Uh, because a lot of people are getting guard from things like uh, what Dominant Defender um, or th things that don't actually give a guard token. There's some out there that do. Or just Glizette sure. existing. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, this this wasn't quite as good as at first thought because it's like, oh, this is amazing. Like you finally just like, stop having to worry about that and you know throw people in that lethal that they think they're safe from uh but not so much but i think i mean i think you're maybe bringing it along anyway for the stacking and again if you're looking for the payoff here's a question for you though as far as stacking silent helm required three or more silent relics every other every other silent relic just required two what is going on there do we is that I think it's just because Silent Helm is stronger. I think it's okay. like... yeah. So Silent Helm has... If you look at these two, like Armor has a mediocre reaction and a good stacking effect. Ring has a good reaction and kind of an okay stacking effect because most people who are stacking are not range one. Mm. Um, and especially because a lot of these are defensive tools. Right. You know, plus one dice is kind of aggro, so it's kind of against it. But... Uh, both the reaction and the uh, uh, stacking effect for armor or helm rather are both very good and I think that's why it's three just because it's the better of the ones we've seen so far Fair. yeah I, I saw these and I thought well I wondered if I was imagining the, the three <laughs> on the, the helm but yeah had to go check yeah I mean I guess so I think if you're gonna I don't know if you're taking these the sword which was from uh, the, the the Mad Mob. Um, the sword sort of works well with the ring um, in that if you have both, you're now going to have a four hammer, two damage attack that in no man's land goes to three damage and has ensnare. So, I mean, that seems pretty strong to me, but but again, that sort of depends on are you going to be taking that sword? Um, so I don't know. I still think the silent relics seem good. Um, and like you say, if if we get if we get a payoff for actually equipping these things beyond just their effects, I think we'll see them a lot. Yeah. And, you know, comparing them to other stacking um, avatar cards, very aggro focused. Uh, 
the Mortis Relic's kind of half and half. You get the plus one wound, um, you get the draw cards, but it's also plus one damage and pushing mm-hmm. and stuff like that. These are, other than the sword, these are pretty defensive focused. Mm-hmm. Uh, Helm lets you reroll dice and reduce, re- reduces crits. You get plus one wound on the armor. The draw is not defensive, but it is kind of like controlly on the ring. So it's like it, they've gone a more defensive focus for it, which I kind of like in that mm-hmm. it's um, you're not going to stack all these and then be like, oh, cool. My Molog or my Hrothgorn or my <laughs> Crusha is just going around punching people in the throat. You know, it's a little bit of a different play style. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Uh, and it may play in like the, I, I keep talking about the, the quarry deck, you know, if mm-hmm. you're, if you're leaning into stuff like that, so oh, you sure, can, sure. you can stack up on somebody or if you need to spread them around a little bit to get some more quarries or get quarry where you need it. So, yeah, mm-hmm. it's been a nice payoff for, for my silent or for my star blood stalkers. So uh, I, yeah. I like that. Yeah. Uh, I don't, speaking of a card that makes you a quarry, I don't always understand why certain cord, cards make you a quarry. So Augmented Limbs is here. Uh, <laughs> makes you a quarry. Yeah, if this fighter is a quarry, this fighter's range one attack action set plus one dice. Um, I mean, it's, that's pretty solid. That's right there competing with uh, uh, not Predatory Instinct. Um, uh, strength of Terror. Strength yeah, of it's Terror. Like the exact same card, right? Except it doesn't work on range two. Yeah, strength yeah, and terror is range two. Still. So I wonder if that's enough that keeps us from getting restricted because the range two is a big deal. It is. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's, it, my, it's interesting you say that about the quarry because um, I was thinking about this the other day, and the only reason because they all say if this fighter is a quarry, you get X, right? Yeah. So it feels like oh, it's balanced around if your opponent stops making you a quarry, then you lose all these effects. But how many cards turn off quarry? I feel like there's there's like almost one bad one, one. <laughs> yeah and they're, they're usually ones you would apply i think there's like upgrades right yeah like, mm-hmm. so like this fighter is not a quarry and cannot be a quarry like yeah sometimes yeah, yeah. there's stuff like that but yeah weird yeah um but uh right here's the harvester getting spiky arms i guess <laughs> so. sure yeah why not yeah just be even scarier when you're spinning around uh not a lot to say about that i i think uh i think it's fine i think uh some war bands are happy to see that because they were you know like i uh reavers i guess i've i've been running some of them uh and then other other than um Karsis, uh strength of terror is a little bit wasted uh as far as you know i still take it but here you could switch to this and most of the time you'd be totally happy with it yeah Unless you bring in spears, which is not a bad idea either. Speaking of spears. Sure. We're going to talk about the chitin spear. Yeah, um, another actually, another weapon type. Yeah. Who, so we got, who, who predicted? Yeah, no, nobody. I mean, we already <laughs> have so much. Um, yeah. But yeah, so we got the, two of these chitin weapons. So the, we'll talk about the spear first. Uh, so as normal, it's a spear. So it's reach two, two hammers, two damage, because evidently that's what a spear is. Um and if you roll no successes in this attack, you can reroll one of the dice. Um, just sort of an interesting balanced way of getting rerolls because they keep seeming to try and add like a thing on that lets you get some sort of benefit, but not trying to have it be super strong. Um, so 
like I guess. So, well, what do you guys think of the chitin effect? Because you know, without spoiling too much about the scimitar, it's got the same reroll if you have no successes. So you compare that to uh, Soul Tooth, which is reroll if they have a mover charge token. Guardian Glaive, which is reroll if you're holding an objective. Um, this is reroll if you miss entirely. Yeah. Do you take multiple? Do you take one? Which one do you think is best? Yeah, my my gut instinct on on this particular effect is that it, it's just going to extend my heartbreak. You know, oh, I got nothing. <laughs> no, then I got nothing again. Nothing. <laughs> uh, or or reroll until like a single success. And a lot of times, the things that I'm really wanting the accuracy boost on are somebody who is uh, doing something like uh, Glissette. And if you're only throwing one success at her, she's probably just going to tank it. Um, so. Um, it's modest. It's it's good, good enough, I guess. Um, the scimitar is two damage, range one, three fury with cleave, and cleave is usually a little more attractive on something that's hitting on smash because the you're already doing a lot of your work with that uh, with the three fury attack. Uh, crits are, are kind of getting you through a lot of the time rather yeah. than the normal successes, but uh, I think. I, my instinct is I'm usually going with a different weapon. Uh, I would agree. Yeah, three sword with cleave is like pretty reliable, but you can get three sword or three hammer two damage off of like amber bone sword or something right. like that. So, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so we talked about the other two weapons. We might as well uh, finish up with the <laughs> snare here. Yeah. We got our net. <laughs> Um, so this one is three swords for one damage at range three. Um, and if it succeeds, you can give the target one move token. And then as normal with the nets, you then have to discard it. Um, so it's pretty accurate and it has the three range. So you can hit it from decent ways off. Um, I think it's a pretty good net. Um, I think... Obviously, barbed net giving a charge token was very strong, but um, the two reach meant that there was a lot of situations where if you missed, you're probably dead <laughs> coming out. <of> it. <laughs> yeah. So this is a little safer um, and could still shut somebody down um, the same amount because if they can't get into range to make an attack, they effectively have a charge token anyway, unless you're Moloch. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, any other thoughts on this one? Uh, it's pretty nice that you can keep trying until you hit, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, that's it, good. It doesn't doesn't go until you until you land the hit. I think the range three is a is a real big deal, and I think if you're doing that sort of control uh, build, uh, we I talked a little bit in the uh, last episode, which uh, neither of you were there for, but uh, talked about e- even if you're not a pure standoff like sometimes you're you're just trying to do something like lock down that one fighter that's pretty bulky like if you if you lock down one of the crushes then the the output goes pretty far down unless they can really push and surf around a little bit especially if you take down uh morgok himself yeah yeah uh if you're playing against star blood if you can if you can uh pin clack Croc in place while you go tear apart skinks uh, that can buy you a lot of a lot of time. So mm. um, this is always the kind of I, I remember even back to if we're talking about guardians again. Didn't um, Eltari had a 
a spell, right? There was a cage of thorns or something yeah. like that. Yep. Just was, give a move token. Yeah, it was uh, always it was always a, a spell that I would see and I'd be like, I want to build a deck with that, and then I'd try, <laughs> and then I'm like, never mind. <laughs> yeah, this is hard. Storm of Celest just has a uh, a weapon upgrade that's gives a move token you don't discard. Uh, you could kind of double up on these if you wanted to, and something like that. Especially because that warband loses their shooting after the first one. Um, oh yeah, good call. Right. Uh, yeah. And I was also thinking that this has some synergy with profiteers. Um, you know, they have headshot, which is crit, and this rolls three dice. Mm-hmm. So you're getting the you know you put it on Allenson, who's his gun is garbage. You know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. You give him you give him this. Now he's got three sword. It gives a move token. You can score headshot off it. You could potentially you know even throw like a throw it on um, Thundrick, give him Eagle Eye, which gives him the reroll and stuff. Like, if you're running a lot of range 3 stuff, like mm-hmm. your range 3 warband, or you're running, like, other upgrades and stuff, there's some synergies out there that can make this really reliable. Yeah. 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 I, I like that all three of the nets, I mean, it seems crazy that we have three of them, but <laughs> I like that they all have a little, they, they all have reasons that you would take this or not. You know, like, maybe you're not a hunter, so then barb laid nets off the off the table and you look at the other ones or you know uh so i it feels like there's a lot of overlap with them but i think there's distinct reasons you take one or the other it's kind of cool i agree definitely all right um so we kind of have three that all deal with stacking upgrades in a sense and then one here it's for healing. So I guess let's get the healing one out of the way. Uh, so that's regenerative cycle. Um, so this is a reaction where after the fighter's activation, you can discard one or more power cards and heal X, where X is the number of power cards you discarded. Uh, so on first reading, my thought was, why would you ever want to do this? Like, that's a huge <laughs> yeah. cost it's a bad card like, um, don't to beat around the bush <laughs> but then I, when i thought about it some more i was like okay well if you're gonna lose Molog, and the choice is ditch your power hand or die you ditch your power hand so like it's incredibly situational um, that's true it is consistent right like you could especially if you're running draw cards like imagine yeah. running this alongside crown of the dead you or Silent Ring, you're drawing cards every activation. You've got, you know, Duel of Wits because everyone's running Duel of Wits. Um, yep. And, you know, you're like, oh, like you said, very last moment, you have this on, and I'm just going to dump six power cards, heal back to full, and it's like, yeah, I'm still Molog. I can still punch <laughs> things, but yeah, I don't know. It just, it just feels like that's so situational, and why wouldn't you take cards that prevent damage or mitigate damage instead? Right. I don't disagree. Uh, And that's sort of where I ended up is like, yeah, you could have this situationally clutch reaction, but I think more often than not, you just play better upgrades and then you don't need that clutch situation to begin with. Mm -hmm. Uh, Another one I think is not very good is a collector. Uh, This is reaction after your activation in which you make an attack action. It takes an adjacent enemy fighter out of action. Give this fighter an upgrade from your hand. Uh, this means you had to spend a glory to put this on. So the first upgrade you get is no net bonus, right? Like, yep. 
it's you could have already had that down if you just put that other one down. Uh, it has to be adjacent. It has to be from an attack action. Uh, just just pretty rough. There's too many restrictions. Uh, too slow a card. Uh, do not recommend. Yeah. This is for this is for the absolute madman who's running a uh, 15 upgrade five ploy deck, <laughs> uh, and it's just like burning through upgrades as fast as humanly possible. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. I mean, it feels like there's a few things they've been toying with where they want to try and find ways of getting upgrades out without paying the cost for playing the upgrades. And while that's interesting, because it's like, hey, now you don't need that starter glory to get your upgrades out i feel like in most games especially now you tend to have a surplus of glory by the mid to end of the game anyway so Mm -hmm. why why do you need this to get your upgrades out when you know you're going to have enough glory to get your upgrades out so i mean the idea is sound because if you think in the past to effects so like now we have forward planning which is charge token and you get an upgrade Mm -hmm. in the past we had um what was the Shade Spire one that you just got an upgrade? Uh, it was uh, Spoils of Battle. Thank mm-hmm. you. Um, so this is like, you know, if you think about it like, oh, if I equip three upgrades with this, it's like using one of those ploy cards three times. And for mm-hmm. a value perspective, that seems very good. But like you said, there's a lot of glory. Maybe you combo this with a lot of the Arena Mortis stuff, which requires you to spend glory. So mm-hmm. you're like, oh, I'm equipping my upgrades for free. Now I'm using my Mortis Relics to push. Now mm. I'm using these cards that are like spend two glory, get two extra damage, jump <laughs> yeah. the extra glory. Yeah. But is it is it really worth it? And you need to get it out in that order too, right? Like drawing this in the final power hand is like, yeah, it, yeah, it's dead. It's bad. Yeah. Right. Uh, and I think there's there's a version of this card that is maybe it would be less thematic, but uh, is maybe more attractive that doesn't require you to be adjacent and succeed in attack action and take them out of action. Yep. You know, if it yes, was, exactly. you know, if it was like after activation sort of thing or, you know, whatever, whatever the case may be, then, then also you're like, okay, yeah, you could passively power somebody up in the back. Um, mm-hmm. if you can have them go again and again, but in, that's not in, this card in that idea. It's kind of like a trophy belt, except it doesn't give you the glory at the end of the game. Right. Mm, sure. This trophy right. belt gives you, glory that you can spend on stuff but it's not really the same thing yeah yeah and it's i i if they're going to err one way or the other with this kind of card it's it's better that they err too conservative because uh, if you if you make this kind of card too good it is it is insane so Mm. yeah yeah Um, especially when we're we're already rewarding stacking upgrades sure (laughs) like these next two cards yeah true soldiers savage soldier and swift soldier yep yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'll I'll just run through them real quick. So their Savage Soldier uh, does nothing by itself, but with two up, uh, two or more upgrades, you get plus one dice to range one. With four more upgrades, you get cleave and ensnare. Swift Soldier is the same, nothing at first, but at two plus you get plus one move, and at four plus you get two plus move. Um, I think Swift Soldier is bad. I mean, how many people are just running great speed by itself? Right. Plus yeah. two move is nice, but there's so many like like we said, there's just so many ploys that give it. There's savage speed that gives it. There's mm-hmm. faction. There's uh, I can think of at least three factions that have plus two move just yeah. in their faction. So it's kind of 
that one's kind of whatever. But Savage Soldier is like, it's worthy of consideration. You know, like we said with Augmented Limbs, range one restriction means that there's, first of all, you can't even use it on uh, the uh, the stalkers that are on the picture here because it's got a Glaverith stalker on it. it. And they got range <laughs> two, so cool stuff there. Maybe he's ignoring the two plus. He's just going straight to the four plus. So. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the big thing, right? You get yeah. four and cleaving and snare on all your attacks is that's really good. You're yeah. you're to the point where your opponent is fishing for crits, and that's never a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Um, is for it sure. worth is it worth waiting until you've got four upgrades to slap this on and get that when it's basically dead in round one? Because you can you know, you can run this on Molog and just ignore the two plus and just go for the cleaving and snare and Molog with cleaving and snare is pretty sick. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I don't know if it makes the cut over things that give immediate benefits. I, I will yeah. say with, with Molog, depending on the matchup, the plus one dice is still nice because he can, uh, uh, scything, with more dice which is scary oh that's true yeah um i think somebody like morgok or uh hrothgorn actually really like this a lot don't Um, they both have cleave innately though inspired inspired but by the time you're getting to four yeah i mean hopefully you're inspired but yeah but even if this was just plus one dice and ensnare i'd still think that was good yeah sure um interestingly because the Cleaven and snare portion does not have a range restriction. You can slap it on Stormsire and just be turning off his uh, <laughs> his range yeah, three yeah. attack with Cleaven and snare. Oof, pretty scary stuff. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so so yeah, we don't we don't expect to see this everywhere, but it it could come up and it could be pretty scary if it suddenly starts to get that snowball rolling. And um, yeah. I don't know. I I guess. It never used to feel like stacking upgrades made a ton of sense because it was like, well, you could just put a few bonuses across your whole warband and make everybody scary. But then it got to the point where I can have one fighter who never dies and then becomes like a nine dice, five damage, crazy monster. And (laughs) so Voltroning is like really interesting because from a design standpoint, it doesn't feel problematic when you're just talking about three wound fighters, four wound fighters who only have one uh, defense baseline. Yeah. You know, it's fine. Yeah, everybody thinks it's cool when Karst is Voltrons. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yep, yep, because it is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or even like, you know, you throw it on, even on Morgok, like, okay, he's five wounds, but, you know, he's move three and he's range one. You know, he's not doing all this crazy stuff that, uh, that some of the other fighters we talk about are. Um I don't know. It, it feels like these cards really go towards the design that is currently dominating the meta. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they were released in another season, if they these were released in Beast Grave, you know, middle of Night Vault. Well, Night Vault had um, tome stacking, which was its own <laughs> thing. Um, but yeah, if these were released in Beast Grave, where it was kind of like decentralized, people were doing weapons, people were holding objectives, like these would seem like really interesting, but not oppressive cards. But I can, you know, like you said, can already see Savage Soldier being in specific decks and just, 
you know, cumulatively, multiplicatively powering those decks up so much. Sure. Well, I think, unless I missed anything, I think we hit all of them. We did. It's all of them. So the question then is, how do all of these cards work together if you were to try and play them as a deck? Uh, I guess I know I have sort of, after reading through all of them again, I, I know where I come down. And I'm curious what you guys think. I think there is a specific type of warband that could play this right out of the box. I think um, we mentioned it a little bit during the uh, objective side, uh, as it as it alluded to, like Untouchable Swarm and Advancing Swarm. Um, but the tanky, you know, semi-tanky four or five man warbands, I think can take this and run with it. Not You're not going to win a clash. You might yeah. not even win local class. But I think you can take it to a you know, a Friday night underworlds or whatever you have around you and do okay. Yeah. Um, I think there's a lot of war bands that are just going to fail with it. I mean, if you're a range two or range three war band, a lot of these cards are dead for you. If you're yeah. a three fighter war band, a lot of these cards are dead for you. Um, but yeah, I mean, if, if you are, if you fall specifically into the niche that this is trying to fill, you could do worse. Yeah. I, I think it feels uh, relatively comparable to some of some of the factions starter decks that are in there. Hmm. Um, uh, some some are a lot stronger and some are on this level. Um, I think it's mostly mostly hampered by its objectives. There's just a there's a cluster of them that are that are real situational or real. You're only going to have a couple op- opportunities to score them in the whole game. If at all, um, I think I think you'll have a lot of dead draws in your objective deck, which is the main thing that'll uh, hang you up. I think the power deck is fine. Sure. Yeah, I think that the strikes, all three being in this deck, is like that is the the biggest weakness of it. Because yeah, having one of these in a deck by itself would not be a problem. But I mean, if you if you're a new player and you play this straight out of the box, you're going to feel like search cards are garbage. <laughs> yeah, maybe yeah. that's the maybe that's what they're trying to instill. They want people yeah. to be like, oh, man, those surge cards are so bad. Yeah. <laughs> I, I will say I really like the idea of this. Uh, I thought it was a really cool thing to try. Um, I think it's it got to be incredibly challenging. Uh, you think of like a pre-built deck with something like a collectible card game like magic like you don't have to marry it up to a warband uh yeah. here they pre-build something and they were never going to be able to pre-build a deck that works with every warband right um uh, not that i can imagine uh and then they're also trying to serve the purpose of creating cards that people are interested in outside of this pre-built deck um but I thought it was cool. I, I like that it had some theme. I almost would have liked to see uh, like a more, you know, like any of these cards, the art is cool. Uh, I would have liked to see some more of this uh, leaning into the, like the weird starting to look like the silent people, like augmented limbs. Um, yeah. The um, I'm not exactly sure what's going on in hypnotic buzz, but like really get a theme of like, Hey, if you're running this deck, your, your guys are turning into like weird insectoid stuff. Uh, having more that, that'd been kind of a fun, art direction to take for a pre-built deck and I, mm. I, if they come back to it again i think that'd be a, a cool thing to to uh, try to showcase with that um 
I'm not sure at what point it came together as, hey, we're going to make this a pre-built deck, if that was like the original intent or if it was uh, we're going to do a card pack and you know, mm-hmm. what if we can take some of the cards that we've already made for this season and uh, coalesce them uh, roughly thematically. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like, like you said, I like the idea. Um, I hope that they come back to it. I think, I think having card packs that are billed as you can take this off the you know rack and just play it as is and you're good to go you don't have to think about building your first deck you can just go out of the box um i think that's that's really strong um for new players um and so i hope we see it again um i think it would be not to interrupt too much uh, i just think it would be interesting if they had themed it around a play style like this feels like it's themed around an idea but if they were like hey here's an aggro deck you know and every card is aggro themed there's none of these like defensive cards there's none of these weird uh like disruption type cards acidic strike hypnotic buzz like everything is just around killing your opponent Mm. and even if some of them are bad you know it it has to be at least a little bit bad because you don't want the the pre-built one to be (laughs) metagame yeah right um but if it even if it was just like a half of it was bad but it was themed to a specific play style like i feel like that would have been really a lot more interesting especially for a new player you're like oh hey i just went on grimwatch is there a way that i can get a easy hold objective deck and you're just like yeah buy that one off the shelf it'll be a good starting point you know i think that would be if they continue to do this in the future um i think that might be kind of nice yeah yeah I think that would be a cool thing to do with uh, essential packs going forward, but mm. that's just an idea off off the top of my head. But it, I mean, it'd be cool because like then you could have these three pre-built decks that are permanently existing that would always be available to say, hey, if you're interested in this playstyle, pick this card deck up when you start out the game along with whatever else you bought to start the game to get your boards and dice and tokens and all that. And then you're off to the races. So, yeah, totally. I think I think we did it. We did the thing. Uh, any <laughs> final thoughts before we bring it home? I, I think I'm good. I think we I think we hashed it out. Um, yeah, I, I think my biggest takeaway from this pack is just I'm excited to see what more they do with Silent Relics. I think it, like I said, I think a, a few times in here, uh, just because I've been thinking about it, but. You know, you compare it to previous stacking things. I think the Silent Relics are relatively well designed. Um, and I can't wait to see. I think we've got, given the naming convention, I think there's at least one or two left. Uh, someone's mentioning that in the Discord. Uh, yep. Yeah, so I, I'm looking forward to that going forward. Awesome. Well, that'll do it for this episode today. Uh, if you'd like to reach out to us to comment about anything we talked about today, or if you'd just like to get in touch with us at all, you can reach us at WTHCast on Twitter or whatthehexcast at gmail.com. Um, if you'd like to check out any of our other content, you can head over to themortalrealms.com. Um, we've got all of the episodes of our show as well as the other shows in the Mortal Realms podcast group, which is the story phase and Dogs of Warcry. Uh, and uh, if you're interested in supporting our podcast group, Feel free to uh, jump in the Patreon, um, and uh, we do have some T-shirts available if you would like there. But obviously, uh, if if you're 
feel so inclined, that would be wonderful. But otherwise, absolutely no pressure. Um, thanks for listening as always. Um, coming up, uh, we do have I still quite a few things uh, kind of going right now. Um, David, do you have a sense of what, what is probably coming next? Um, we'll just keep you guessing. Yeah. RIP. Keep them guessing. <laughs> Always. <laughs> what is our recommended listening for today, Davey? Oh, right. Uh, this is by the band The Knife. Uh, it's from Silent Shout, and we share our mother's health. All right. Well, that for what the hex. I've been Phil. I've been Davey. And I'm Zach. I mean, it's up to, to GW at this rate. They're probably about to drop like OVR on us tomorrow <laughs> yeah, or something yeah, like probably. that. Like, oh God, yeah. Reapers. Um, boosh. Okay. I was hitting something weird the last time I was trying to do this. And every time I hit record, it would like dump us out the first few times. I don't know if I was like <laughs> fat fingering it and sending myself uh, hitting back or what. But yeah, exactly. Um, so Zach, you, how do you want to be referred to in this episode? Do you want to be, uh, Zach? Zach's fine. Yeah. Okay. Zach's fine. How do I say your screen Requ requisite? Yeah. Requisite. Okay.